We just lost George. What sure. did you do, George? This episode of Getting Tabled is brought to you by Valhalla Hobby. If you use the code TABLED, you can get 5% off any order over $100. You can find them at ValhallaHobby.com. Brought to you by some guys on the internet. This is Getting Tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my inaptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people, and welcome to episode 128 of Getting Tabled with your host, Major Socks. Introduce this time first. Oh, I feel honored. Because normally it's Bruce down under. How are you, Bruce? Feeling forgotten. How rude. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually got called by my own rank and not some little silly pseudonym. You haven't done anything wrong this fortnight. You're okay. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Um, Apologies for the technical difficulties with the recording last fortnight. There was a few issues that I had to edit around. Uh, and there was about a, what, a 15, 20-minute spot where I was kind of very hard to hear. Uh, so I do apologize for that. That's on me. Uh, we were trying to do something new, and it didn't work, unfortunately. Um, but And then Bruce used the old it. intro music for some reason. I don't know how that happened, actually. Anyways. Anyway, George. I'm back. Hi. George is back. Me. Maybe a little. Nah, not really. So rude. Yep. That's what you get for not introducing me. <laughs> what? Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. And we start with some TT combat. So, we're going to start with some Relics news. So, Relics is an old game uh this stopped being produced i want to say three or four years ago it might even be five years ago uh this was originally an indie game that tt combat purchased and had kind of been sitting on for a while waiting for its time to come back um the world of relics is a very 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 unique setting um i'm going to kind of open some random minis to kind of show them off um the britons in this world are puppets I was gonna, they which give is me totally a, a not very, a metaphor at all they give me a strong feel of a sack boy from a little big world on the playstation yes yeah yeah that's a very 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 fair comparison to be honest there are other world uh, sorry there are other forces uh but it's just the two that they're starting with at the moment because they're kind of slowly rolling this out i've got to say i want to give them props for not actually doing this as a kickstarter um i guess because like with carnivale and stuff when they brought that back when they purchased it they found a lot of those molds were not reusable they had to recreate them and that's why they did the kickstarter um clearly and this is an assumption on my part it would appear that they haven't had to do that with relics uh, they were just waiting for the right time to bring it back. Um, I 
really, really love the look of these, honestly. Uh, the, the sack, the, the sacks in particular. The other force we have are the Orknar, which are, again, very unique setting. So they're like orcs, but they're very much your, I want to say traditional pig-looking orcs, as opposed to your Lord of the Rings 40k-style orcs. Um, but it's, it's a very, very unique world. It's possible that we may have people listening that played this originally and know more about this than we do. But I kind of wanted to just kind of talk about this and start getting it out there. It's all up for pre-order now. Well, sorry, it's actually released. It was up for pre-order last week. Um, but the first two factions are now out there and you can buy them. Uh, I'm kind of hoping this takes off because I've never heard anything bad about this rule set. I've only ever heard good things. Um... I'm, oh, the the orcs have a very very unique aesthetic to them. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, big time. I kind of like the wigs, <laughs> or at least I'm assuming that's what they're supposed to be. I like the little Napoleonic style hats that some of the guys do have. Yep, like the the company sergeant, the color party, just those style of hats on them. Yeah, I, I like them. No, they they are. I, I will agree with you on that. So yeah, you're looking at like Sackboy type puppet type things. So it's it's a historical game that's not historical whatsoever. Um, each... I just love how I mentioned Sackboy. Now you can't stop saying Sackboy. <laughs> I can't I can't say it any other way now. Um, each of the European factions that were in this had their own unique feel. Um, so obviously the puppets is the Britain the Britain one um, and the Orcs. There's something different with the Germans, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, But we will start to see those as they roll out. Uh, Also coming up this weekend, we have a pre-order for the Agatha's Stone... Sorry, Agatha's Stone Moon Tavern, which is a really gorgeous-looking fantasy building. This is this is probably one of the best like generic fantasy buildings I've seen because it's like it could be a house, it could be a tavern, it could be an inn. Like it's yeah. it's so generic, it has so many roles it could fill just out of the box. I really like how they've done the curved sloping roof because like quite frequently you get those sloping roofs in fantasy buildings that make mm-hmm. no sense. Like they just don't, uh, but they're very hard to recreate. In, um, in MDF. In MDF. They, yeah. They've done it really well here. So, I mean, the, you've got the flat panels, and they are flat, but the supporting piece underneath is the bit that gives it the sloping, which is quite nice. And if anything, just makes it look like a real building. Uh, everything comes apart, because of course it does. It's a TT combat kit. It looks really solid, honestly. I mean, especially for its price that they have listed at uh, 22 pounds, which, what is yeah. that, roughly about 25 bucks-ish? I mean, that is a I'm solid there. piece of terrain for that for that price. Yep. Along 100%. with the little, the well and the, the little trough and the two boxes that come along with yeah. it. And it's quite large, too. Yeah. Um, so, for the American speak, it's 
just under 12 inches wide. Yeah, it's 300, uh, 300 mil is 12 inches. Yeah, so that's 265. So you're probably looking at about 11 inches, I think. Ish. Uh, 2.2 centimeters to an inch, I think. Yeah. So it'll be around 10 centimeters deep, I suppose. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. A, that's a that's a decent piece of terrain for that price. That is, that's pretty stellar. Yeah. I look at this and I just see Moonstone. I just think it fits into that world really, really well. Uh, it's not what it's designed for specifically. It's very clearly just a generic fantasy building. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. Uh, it's just, it's been designed so that it kind of fits into anything. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to put that together that a uh, wild west town set sometime this year. And, you know, I think that's a great aesthetic. You've only had it for two years. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I, I think being able to do something like this, where it is a good looking piece of terrain that can fill multiple roles. I mean, this will fit in age yeah. of Sigmar. This will fit in a D and D this will fit. In, like it is, you could even, you know, get it into like, you know, a, um, uh, a 40 K setting, you know, without an issue. It, it fit in there even. Yeah, I could see that because not every world in 40k has to be the pinnacle of technology, or and, the or the high gothic, you know. No, but yeah. and even like look around, look around your own towns. Not everything was built in the last ten years, especially exactly. America. America have buildings that are older than some of the president, say than the country itself. Like seriously, there yeah. are some really old things out there, more so than what we've got. I mean, we do have old stuff, but nothing to that level. Well, you know, just take Europe, for example. I mean, you know, they have beyond ancient ruins and oh, relics yeah. and then lots of, you know, oh, yeah, this is made in the 1600s. This is 1700, like, you know, 1400s. Like, the, you know, they have a wide variety. So, I mean, it's something like this where it's just so versatile, I think, is is probably the most important part other than this is very specific for this. You never speak to somebody in Europe about how old things are in America or Australia. You will be laughed at. And I mean that quite literally. They will laugh at you. The, the, the United States has one thing older building-wise than the you know, majority of Europe. Mm-hmm. The uh, cave dwellings in New Mexico. To be fair, yeah. We've got the oldest known living um, population on the planet. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Indigenous population. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. We also have some sci-fi stuff. Well, actually, it does, I does suppose it doesn't have to be sci-fi. This is another one that kind of... It does feel sci-fi to me, though. But it's very clearly a, a, dwarving, a dwarven-type place. Uh, but realistically, if you take off the dwarven decorations, this fits into 40k instantly. And it is where my mind goes when I look at most of this, if I'm honest. It it does look very 40k high gothic ish, you know. But yeah. it, you know, once you you know zoom in and you see the the dwarven, you know, I guess silhouette characters that you know are very two dimensional, not very dwarfish. Those would be very 3D. Um, this totally would fit into like you know your your Sigmar fantasy as well for dwarves because, well, it's a dwarf building. It's angular. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's deliberately done this way or not, but it feels like it's been designed for dungeon uh, for Dungeons and Dragons. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Even Warcry to some extent. It's all completely modular, so you can put it together in different ways. Um, it's just what I ended up doing is when I started describing it, I went to my thought of what I would like to do with it as opposed to how it's been designed. Um, I, they have a lot of really good um, modular kits. That they seem to be... Re- like They started doing that sort of stuff with the Carnivale terrain and yeah. they've been slowly doing it with everything else. And honestly, I think it's among the best stuff they do. This is probably one of the more simple kits, but I don't mean that in a negative sense. This actually works really well. I I almost I almost like the simple kits, and when I say simple, I mean like be easy to put together because it's just terrain. Like let me get it slapped together, slap some some paint on it, do do some you know uh, texturing to it, and call it done. Yeah. Like I don't yeah like if it's a centerpiece for like a display board for. Painting competition, sure, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But something to throw on the table. I, I want to slap it together and, and you know, just quick quick and good. You know, nothing nothing crazy. Yeah. When you guys scroll down, do you guys see the the little three that you might also like? I like the look of that fortress if you guys scroll down. If not, I'll, I'll yes. post it in our... No, no, I do see it. Uh, we discussed that fortress this, looks amazing. We discussed the fortress a few months back. It is incredible. Uh, you I don't weren't remember here. The... No, he I probably have, wasn't but... here. Uh, the crag works I remember discussing as well. But yeah, they're, they're clearly building up another range. I, I, I want to say, and this is a really silly thing to be impressed by, but I really like how they've connected the ladders. Like, it's just a lug. But they've designed the corners to not be a corner, so that the, so that the ladder fits properly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really, it's a really clever way to solve what is frequently a problem. Because with yeah. ladders, you quite frequently just have to glue it to the edge, and they don't really sit there very well. Where that actually is going to have something to hold it in place, and you can you can hide that by just using a little paint and darkening just a little box to make it look as because everything else. Mm-hmm. Louis, you guys have done well on this. Uh, moving on to a Kickstarter, because this came up in my feed, because I do follow Kraken 3D Studios. Uh, and my first thought is, hmm, is this going to be something that works for me? But no, it's a zombie type thing. So, Kraken 3D Studios, a couple of years back, we covered like a modular Blood Bowl terrain set that you could 3D print out and build. And this is the guys that did that. Um, so, this is a giant set for their Apocalypse line, which is all modular roads, and obviously we know where my mind goes for that. Go Santropy City. Um, new props, new characters. It it's, it kind of feels like it should be a game um, because it kind of is. I really like the, the vehicles in particular. I mean, obviously you would have to oh paint my God. them to look that good, but what they, is they have a VW, They have a VW bus. Oh, yeah, the, the, the combi van. You can see it in the background of one of the pictures there. I, I kind yep. of like... Uh, the, the, and a Chevy um, station, Avalanche? The station wagon? No? Well, no, I don't the, know what a the, Chevy Avalanche is. 
so the 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 image that has the uh, VW bus that's captured on the road, a perfect environment for countless different games. That little four door Ute truck thing—that is a Chevy Avalanche. Okay. Yep. I'm just gonna take your um, take your word for that. It's a it's a very uh, useless American mm-hmm. trying to Pick be a truck, truck, not a truck truck. Uh, the one I look at, uh, there's a Christmas movie that's on every year with Chevy Chase in it. That everybody National in the world, Christmas Vacation. That one. Everybody in the world loves that movie, but me, I feel. Um, the station wagon that's in it is the la- is the National Lampoon's car, right? With all the stuff. Uh, similar. I'm looking for a station wagon now. It's a little the bit further up. Of- it's the, the fourth picture down. One, two, three. Just after where four. it says the highway. The orange thing? At yeah. the front, yeah. No, that is a classic Jeep uh, Wagoneer with the faux wood body paneling. Okay. Just goes to show you. My, uh, my parents had one of those goes. when I was growing up. They have done a really, really good job here this looks phenomenal um i'm actually curious i like the fact that they've had actually shown you like how versatile it is by like just building several different things Um, oh yeah they're very clearly aiming at a zombie aesthetic here but you could do modern warfare with this very easily like insanely easily i just saw the trees those trees look phenomenal too um, well, unless you ask Mel. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> to, to be fair, Mel is not wrong. Trees in wargaming don't make sense at all. But they're not supposed to. They're kind of deliberately like that. Ooh, I just saw the bike. Oh, that would work so well for my game. Not that I need any more bikes. Lord knows I have enough of them. Yeah, so if you scroll further down, Bruce, it's a, it, you know, it calls it out as the classic Jeep Wagoneer. Okay. Oh, and then there's a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And then a Ford Mustang Classic. And then they call the Avalanche a modern pickup. It's not a modern pickup. It is a Chevy Avalanche. It is a useless truck. I just want to say those, the, the vehicle. Those bikes look good. Yeah, those bikes look really good. The, the car that's it just says hell yeah on it if that was painted black it would be the it would pretty much be the vehicle out of mad max the front's slightly different but it's very 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 close i also what like the fact it? that the it's a red car just after the combi van sorry oh, the that's the mustang. classic van yeah that's it the looks, mustang yeah, the only thing it's missing is the, the the thing coming out of the hood i know that it's not originally a mustang so, but so uh, if I remember correctly, I think that was a a GM product that the uh, Mad Max car was. So there's a lot of uh, similarities between those two body styles. The Dodge was completely different as far as their design back in that era. So yeah, I like the fact that the car roofs are modular and can be swapped in and out, which just means that you can make more vehicles without, like you can have two cars, one with and one without, and they'll look different. Uh, same with the Ute. It just I, I love it the easier. fact that like you have like you know a utilitarian motorcycle, a dirt bike, um, a street bike, 
like a different type of you know dirt bike like the the bike variations like only thing that's missing there is a heavy bike yep yeah, i now, ha- I now have something else to point people towards for miniatures on my game uh, and when i say heavy bike I, I do mean like the the harleys and the indians and yeah they look cool and they sound cool but they don't have near the handling maneuverability that any other bike has no because they're designed for highways that that's pretty much all they were ever designed for. Oh, hey! If you scroll down, like there's it, it's actually called the uh, the interceptor. There's a not a Mad Max there, and it's got the uh, the supercharger with blower coming up out of the hood with I the side pipes that that it's down at the bottom. Yeah, it's uh, two underneath the porta potty, or sorry, portable water closet. Ha! Yep, yep. The definitive survivor. There it is. So it is very similar. I thought the front of it was slightly different. I thought it had a different grill. I don't know. I it's going to be questioning now. Mad Max car model. I like the highway board too. That's quite nice. Yeah. They've done really, really well on this. Um, if you're just picking up the vehicles, it's only 30 euro. Uh, if you want the environmental stuff, um, then it's thirty-five. Everything is sixty. Like it's really good value, honestly. Okay, so I just looked it up, and the, the Mad Max car—it's definitely a a Camaro, okay, type body style. So they're they're creatively making a Mustang look like the Mad Max car. Yep, which is a good way to avoid copyright. So yeah, I really, really, really like this. Like seriously. Oh I my god, Bruce! The armored van. Yeah. Now I have to go all the way back down to the bottom again. It, it's it's two, two below the... the two underneath the interceptor. <laughs> yeah, I'd scrolled all the way back up to the top. That's why I had to find it again. Uh, that is phenomenal. I do like the zombie barrier too, honestly. Though you couldn't. You, it looks like that's all in one piece. I'm kind of hoping that the zombies are separate because, to be fair, if you're going to have a fence like that, you want to be able to use it for multiple things. Um, yeah, like I know not it's have simple, the zombies but stuck that in military it. tent's phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's a, just a piece of terrain. You don't see it. I would love to have that just to like drop down as part of 40k terrain. Because yeah, that's just just something you don't have is tents. And socks. What does the military like to use when there's no buildings? Tents. Lots and lots of tents. Yep. So uh, cool find. Like this is some great looking like terrain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. And whilst yes, obviously for a zombie apocalypse game it makes a lot of sense. At the same time, a lot of this stuff is extremely versatile. I mean, like I said, modern day warfare—you could find all of this sort of stuff very easily. Or Do you know what the difference is between like post-apocalyptic and zombies? The zombies. Yeah, pretty much. All right, moving on. Some fishmen. I have things in the wrong order, then. Or maybe I do. Nope, I, I thought do. I, I thought we were talking about Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Yeah. That's what I was about to talk about. My bad. I I didn't open that one up. So, Mordefius seemed to have 
a new role play setting coming out every three three minutes sometimes. Um, we don't cover all of them, but there's no way I wasn't touching on this. Because let's be fair, I'm pretty sure you are a, just as big a fan of Terry Pratchett as I am, George. I don't know about no. Sonics. So I know of Terry Pratchett. I know of Discworld. I haven't read all of it. Unfortunately, that is about the limitation of my knowledge. I do know that it is one of the great intellectual properties out there. Yeah. And it is probably underutilized and underrepresented when compared to, you know, the Lovecrafts and the Tolkings and the other, you know, authors out there. I, I know this is under, underrepresented and it probably needs to be represented more without knowing exactly what it is. I think part That's of the my... problem from a wider audience point of view is that it's a setting that quite deliberately doesn't take itself too seriously. And therefore, from a movie world where everything has to be super serious now, you don't really have a lot of stuff that's kind of making in-jokes all the time or, or at sure. its own expense. Um, but, see, I mean, what's the one way, like, you're a uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is another one that's kind of like really, really important, but doesn't really get the respect it deserves from a wider community because it's just so hard to translate. And I think Discworld is it, kind of the same. I'll, I'll take the hate for this. As much as I know about Hitchhiker's Guide, I feel that that is less important than Discworld. Okay. I, I, just not knowing what I know about it, I feel it is not... It's more important than what it is in the community as far as what people know about it and how many people know about it. That's fair. Um, Discworld is something that people have attempted to convert into movies a few times. Some of them have been more successful than others. Uh, it's not the easiest of thing to translate to screen. Technology is kind of at the point where you can do it now, uh, but it kind of, it's not always done well, I suppose. Um, if you are not familiar with Discworld, I would highly recommend checking it out. Uh, this is something that is just a teaser page at this stage for something that is coming. It's going to be a roleplay setting based in the world. And it will hit Kickstarter at some point later in the year. That really is the only bit of this story. Um, there's going to be a lot of people out there that's going to be extremely excited about this, and then there's going to be another part of the world that just don't understand what the fuss is. Uh, and it will come down to whether you know what Discworld is or not. Uh, make no mistake about it. Discworld, I would I, argue, is popularity-wise on the same level as Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, there's going to be the third part of, like, there, like me, like, I know it's a thing, and I know it's important, but I don't know what it is. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I think there's that part of the population, too. So, I suspect that Sox is with you on this. Yep. Just because he's kind of sitting there looking like he has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've never really heard of Discworld until tonight. Oh, see, I... I think I at least have like an audio book on my, on my phone that I downloaded at one point. If you want to look it up, look up anything from the Death Trilogy. Um, that's probably the easiest introduction. Um, otherwise, Murlocs. 
So we have some really cool, cute-looking fishmen here. Uh, Badger Murlocs. game. What? Murlocs. That's a name for fishmen, I assume. From World of Warcraft. Okay. That's why I don't know what you're talking about. You guys don't know what Murlocs are. I'm not a World of Warcraft person. I quite notoriously hate that game with a seething passion. No, it's a terrible video game. It's a horrible video game. They show up in Warcraft as well. Um. Anyway, we've got some really cute looking fishmen here. Badger Games is something that I kind of want to go exploring through at some point because they have some really cool stuff. This seems to be a range of their own, but they also do, you'll notice on the side there, they're also selling Archon Studio stuff, Dave Taylor Miniatures stuff, so that they do have a wider range of stuff, not just their own. I really like these fishmen, though. And I always kind of like it when someone has something that you could just make an army out of for pretty much anything you want. Like, I can see this being used for Kings of War. I can see this being used for a custom Age of Sigma um, or Fantasy Old or, World. Or- or an army to go against the uh, TT Combat Hobbit army. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout, honestly. Um, also, let, let's be fair, D&D is a thing. Like, that is probably your first port of call with this. Um, and I've just realized that they are for Ravenclaw, not Badger Games. Sorry, that's my fault. Uh, Badger Games is the storefront that sell the Ravenclaw stuff. Docs, did you look at the Murloc link I sent you at least? I know Bruce can't. No. Looking at it now. But yeah, I, I really like this. I like the shells. I like yeah. the weapons. I like the fact that they're cute. These don't look like that. Yes, they do. If they were painted that way, maybe. You're 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 looking at a, a sculpted cast miniature versus digital art. You got to give some license. That is what he's trying to compare this with. Absolutely. Look... I mean, they're fishmen, so from that point of view, sure. But this is more of a traditional fishman than that is. I don't know. I don't see. In the comments, folks, do they look like Murlocs? Prove me right. Sure. I'm going to move on. (laughs) This story I find really confusing. How can you call something that's four years old, I want to say? Classic. Classic Warhammer Underworlds warbands are coming back. Now, actually, I'm kind of throwing shade initially. I actually am really happy to see them doing this. Um, because there's a couple of these sets that are phenomenally good. Um, the first one that comes to mind is the Skaven was always very popular. Um, the, um, the Undead faction is not listed here, but that was another one that I know people have been asking for. Um, well, they have one of them, not the other one. Uh, I really like the goblins. They were probably my i already own the skaven so the goblins are the ones that stand out to me those nighthawk look pretty good yeah i agree 
I just like I find it really weird because these aren't old enough to be considered retro, and that's what they're trying to make it sound like. I mean, this is the era of the internet. Retro is last year, so that's fair. That these have been out of print for quite some time too, so. No. It does make sense to bring them. I never understood why they stopped hosting them to begin with, to be fair, because they hadn't really been around that long. Uh, but I guess for people that got into it in the later... Um, like, in the later versions that never had a chance to pick these up will now have their chance. Um, a little bit of an older story. We also got one last preview for the Crute which I really like. This seems to be very much a Marmite miniature, though. People either really liked this or really didn't. Um, I really like it. I really like it as well. I'm still waiting to see my Narlok and my greater Narlok. That is what I want to see. But at the same time, Crute fans have been screaming for more Crute stuff, and you don't get more Crute stuff if you don't give actual new ideas not everything has to be a reimagining so i really like this i really like what they've done with it um i can't think of the word for it but i'm loving the weapon where it's like the stick with like the explosive on the end of it where it's like you stab and it like triggers it then it blows up i can't there's a word for that and i can't remember but i love the fact that they've done that with that weapon of yeah i'm gonna poke you and you're gonna blow up yeah I, i really like that as well and I like the fact that they've modelled it to show other other weaponry that they have, not just what they're holding. Because that's a weapon that, like, it's a one-and-done type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Also, so the crew, as far as their mounts, right? They're either on mounts or on foot, right? Or they've got the crew talks, which is the big, you know, giant crew dog thing, right? This mount is unique, and I love that. It's like a dinosaur, lizard-like... It's a salamander. Yeah, but but it's I mean, not it's giant because one. it's well, but it's not a salamander either because it's scaly, not skinny. Salamanders True. have a skin, so True. like this is a very, a very good um, alien mount. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, like the 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 big negative I saw Pat coming out of the community was that looks nothing like a Narlok. What? Why have they done this? And I mean, the obvious answer to that is it wasn't supposed to be a Narlok. That's why it's called something else. Uh, I would still expect that we will see the Narlok. Um, it, it doesn't make sense not to do it, uh, but they may be choosing to hold that back for a future release, maybe. We haven't had a preview this week, which makes me believe that we might be towards the end of what we're going to see. So I'm kind of I'm kind of still... Hoping. I still want to see the Narlok, and specifically the greater Narlok, which was the giant one. Uh, but it'll be a question of whether we see it for this release or whether we see it for the next one now. The creature's called a Calamandra. says that in the paragraph right below the video. Yep. Stop reading and making us look smart, Socks. We're supposed to be like I know. ill-informed and just making our own uh, uh, um, uh, conclusion based on observation. observation. That's definitely not what I was doing, but sure. Uh, and to be fair, it, that is salamander, but with a K. That's all that is. It's salamander with a K. But it works, and it really does work. 
Uh, can, we, can we talk about? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, what were you? If it's about this, otherwise I'll keep it going. No, it's 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 the next thing. I was going to say. Can we talk about one of the probably the greatest looking minis we've seen in the last year? Yep. So there was a preview that happened for Warhammer World's anniversary last night. Uh, this is one of the things that came out of that. We have a new hefty lad. It's a new Big Mac, um, and George is not wrong. He looks amazing. I've got to say, I really love the scarring. Like, they've actually shown, like, the pain involved in having these conversions done. Well, so I'm going to step out to the, like, you got the Sisters of Battle, right? You've got the very Florida-Lee-covered, elegant mech suit with the person right there in the middle unarmored. And then you have the same thing for the Space Marines, where you have this really cool, dynamic thing with some he's wearing armor but he's right in the middle like exposed right that makes no sense it's just rule of cool for the look of that but when you do it for an orc it looks amazing because how would an orc do it well like this yeah that's how they they would do it tear you and and throw it on it's just like here we're going to attach the stuff to you and because it looks cool it's going to work because that's how orc technology works Yep. And um um it was uh the black mane and the that that orc that set last year uh for the space wolves and that looked cool and this is hot on the heels of that orc right there. Yeah. The only downside of this mini is that you're only going to be able to get it with the orc battle force stomper boys, so this is the exclusive for that box set, which is not a bad looking box set. Uh, unless, of course, you don't need what comes with it. Uh, I will warn anybody that wants to buy it, though, that Stomper is one of the most difficult miniatures to build that they have ever made. It's not very well designed. Um, so you have been warned. But still, a if you're getting into walks, it's a good-looking box set to buy, honestly. Um, you kind of get a yeah. little bit of everything that, in theory, you would be wanting. And and one of the best looking orc minis they've made. Yeah. Period. Yep. Also from the preview, we have a new custodian. Do you like how I wrote that in the show notes for you, George? I didn't even see how Custardies. I wrote it as oh, custard. Um, <laughs> yes. Um I like that. That's very... No, no I, I actually quite like this as well. I, I, I like the detached, like, um... Oh, socks, help me out here. Uh, the first sergeants had the one going this way, and it was which ones that went front to back in the Roman? The Legionnaires. Yeah. I, I oh, like how they've got the, going with the with the front to back, but it's, like, detached, so it's, like... It's not this gigantic weight on his head. It's, you know, yeah. attached to the backpack where weight can be supported. And, like, but it's still, like, you can see, like, who that is on the battlefield. I also like it because it's something I've genuinely not seen done before. And something that visually makes a lot of sense. For that exact reason. Well, like, you're looking at this and your first reaction is what mine was, which is... Actually, that would make a lot more sense. His head is now free. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, you do kind of you do kind of see this in the Eldar, but a lot of their stuff is also attached to the helmet. But you do get a lot of that feel from the Eldar uh, on some of the minis too, mm. where it's attached to the backpack. So uh, for them to finally do that on a um, Imperium mini though looks great, and they picked the because let's be honest, even Socks will agree with this. Probably the most on this. The custodies are essentially just a really fancy Roman legion. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I fair. agree. Uh, also, I'm going to say this may be a controversial thing to say. I don't know. Best looking shield they've ever done. Mm, I like all the custodies shields just because it's the custodies, and they're just like check out our freaking shields. Oh, we also just have straight across the board two up involved saves. So we really don't need shields, but check out our cool shields. Yeah. Um, the downside of this one is that it looks like, again, you can only buy this as part of a box set. So there, there's another um, uh, special character custody um, that was only available as a part of the box set. Now he is available as an individual. So Okay. Because uh, you would never want to buy that box set, right? Because you would never have a need for the rest of the stuff I already in have, there. I already have that box set. Well, so that box set has three three bikes. My set only came with three. Yeah, This one has six. But everything else that's in that box set, I've already got. Like That, um, that was my and, point. Because custodies yeah. are not a force where you want to have that many of one thing. Because it's very much an elite type force, right? Well, yeah. So custodies are one of those great armies where it's just like, if you want to have an army... But you don't want to spend eight years painting it. Custodies are great because one mini is the equivalent of ten orcs. Yeah. So you just have to paint one custody versus ten orcs. You know, it's. And I like both versions of the mini. I like it with and I like it without the helmet. I know, but like from a military point of view, I know that them not having helmets doesn't make a lot of sense. But I, I actually can't like this one because it's got the really high collar, uh, the bit coming off his back. Like, most of his head, unless you're front on, is pretty much well guarded. So, with the exception of the Custodes, where it's like they've got the very crowned helmets. Yep. I don't like those helmets, but the rest of the Custody helmets, like the Terminators and the Jet Bikers and this guy... I like those helmets. Those look very good, like, like functional helmets. Like, yeah. I really like what they've done with this one. Uh, and the last uh, thing, there's two more things I, that came from the preview, but this is the last thing we're going to talk about today. I'm 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 mostly okay with the built-in terrain because that's easy to shave that foot off that one piece, and you're you don't have it. True, and that's assuming that it's connected. It may not be. <laughs> Because that's my bitch. I yeah. don't like built-in terrain. I'll do my own. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, the last thing that we're going to talk about was the gnomes. Uh, to my knowledge, and I'm stealing this comment from a friend of mine, Alan, who said this, and I'm pretty sure he's on the money. The gnomes haven't been seen since Warhammer Third Edition. That's how long it's been. It's a long time ago. Well, um, I can tell you that r- right now they have the most. This is the most powerful, um, one of the most powerful figures in Blood Bowl. 
I can tell you this right now. Which one? Oh, the goose. The one with the goose, yeah. Yeah. Those things are nasty. There's a reason why they're called cobra chickens. There is a very big part of me that wants to buy this. I'm not going to lie. It's not the first time we've seen gnomes, but it's the first time we've seen gnomes in... Oh, in those Warhammer trees! For a long time. Yeah, I hadn't even gotten down that far yet. Oh, God! Um, Before I move on to the tree, there's actually a couple of different animal companions in this set. I like the badger all one. all of them look amazing. You like the witch one? The badger... Oh, yeah, the badger looks just nasty. I quite like the foxes as well. The one trying the to run with good. the ball is the ball in his cute. Mouth. Yeah. Uh, and then, yes, as George kind of hinted at, oh, my Lord, this tree is amazing. It's just really good. They've done a really good job with this. And I like the fact that it doesn't look anything like the Sylvaneth trees. I like the fact that it's very clearly something of its own. This is the best tree Games Workshop has done. I just really, really like it. And, like, and that's done... that's including the Sylvaneth army. This is the best looking tree they've done. This looks like a tree that came to life um, as opposed to something that's trying to pretend it's a tree. This this has the Peter Jackson Ent feel from Lord of the Rings. Yep, I'll agree with yes. you on that. And that and that just that was such a good aesthetic in those movies is how those Ents were were portrayed, and this just falls right in line with that. Um, and I especially love the one that has the boot stuck in the the branch. Stuck in the branch. So <laughs> yeah, um, I'm pretty sure they. Oh no, they are slightly different. Yeah, never mind. Um, the thing I really like, on the back of the tree, you have like the plate of armor that looks like it's been on the tree for that long that the tree bark has started growing back around it again. More so than yeah. the gauntlet, which is just strapped on. But that in particular, mm -hmm. I really like because that is a piece that really didn't need to be there. But that's, that is the thing that stands out to me as the most impressive. Although, now, I, I will say this, because, you know, based on Games Workshop location and the whole lore of gnomes, the badger looks too aggressive. That does not look uh, like enough of a British badger. It looks too um, feral. Well, maybe it's supposed to be. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a honey badger, although it's been painted wrong to be a honey badger. No, it's not a honey badger, and it's not methed out enough to be an American badger, so. I don't know. I don't know. I, they, they may be. They may get aggressive. I honestly wouldn't know. If you look at an English badger versus an American badger, an English badger looks cute and adorable, and an American badger looks like it's a, a meth addict that's going to stab you. Some cute and adorable things can be the most vicious, though. Like, I genuinely don't know if they have that side to them or not because I don't live in England. So, I just went to the next article. Yep. The Sin Eater stuff? Yes. Yeah, so this is another Kickstarter. We've got a couple of them this time. Um, so these guys have made some very classic imagery into actual miniatures that you can use. And honestly, I don't think there's a weak point among them. Um, 
these are all very, very much classic, classic artwork. Uh, my favourite is either the Gnome or the Soil Wizard. I can't decide. I've always loved the Soil Wizard design in the artwork, though it was today when I found out what it was called. But I look at that personally and I go, my Lord, that would look good in a Burrows and Badgers game. I tore between the Moon Villager and Aquarius. Yeah, they are both very good. I, I I love the Aquarius aesthetic because in a lot of the uh, I, is it Welsh where they have the the horse skull instead of a head iconography? It might be. I'm trying to remember. I'm not very good with that sort of stuff, so it's kind of hard to say. I I, I know it's a it's, I know it's a uh a, 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 a colonizer you know country you know Wells or. One of those where it's like the the horse skulls uh, a predominant um, monster, so to speak. Well, in uh, uh, um, the Scandinavian countries too, I guess. Yeah, it could be. But I just uh, think that they've just done an amazing job with this. And whoever it is that painted them, I don't know if it says... But whoever it is that's painted them, I'm going to assume that it was Andrew May himself, because I don't know. Uh, but they've painted them so that they actually still look like they're painted art, as opposed to a miniature. I mean, you can see that it's 3D, but they well, painted the, the it in a way that like, it's not clean. It looks like brushwork. I was going to say, all the miniatures, are, it's like a seven-color palette. Like Yeah. There's yeah. seven colors, and that's all they've used. They haven't done anything crazy, and it gives them a very muted yep. look. Which is very difficult to pull off properly. Yeah. They've done an incredible job. Uh, the gnome in particular stands out to me. Um, it's just so well done. Um, Cost-wise, you're looking at about £52 for this. Which is certainly not cheap, but it's certainly not bad. Like it's, this is one of those things where this is going to be. Like if you have this in your collection, you're not going to regret this. They are just mm -hmm. gorgeous. Um, and these are resin castings only. There, will, there will be no digital version of this, or at least not legally anyway. Here's hoping that people don't rip them off. Moving on. About a month ago, we were discussing how Simon were moving into Europe. And I was kind of like, well, it's a shame that it's not happening the other way. Well, it is happening the other way. So, the Archon Studios game, which is the Masters of the Universe game, that was for Europe only. This is why Simon was not over there. Uh, that is now also going over to the US and Australia, etc. So... And they're doing it in the same way. They are also doing it via crowdfunding. So everything that was exclusive can be included. In Europe, you can buy this at retail at this point uh, in waves. They've been releasing everything in waves slowly but surely. Um, from what I have seen, the miniatures on this look better than the Simon ones do. Um, but that's aesthetic choice. Uh, obviously, they couldn't make them all look the same because 
yeah, I'm, I'm watching the trailer right now, and I will say, you know, if what they are showing is the actual miniature sculpt, that the sculpt does look slightly better. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 splitting hairs, like like the Ram Man, like the Ram Man for this game. It looks like he's got the extra beef that Ram Man should have. Yep. The Simon Versus... stuff all kind of, like, it, it, it fits the Simon aesthetic. And this is not a negative. Mm-hmm. Those miniatures yeah. do look really good. Um, but these are hard plastic. And there's just more detail on this. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty much it. But from what I've noticed, too, like, with the Simon stuff, because it's not that hard plastic, they're a little more forgiving and durable. Yes, most certainly. Because they get the, because they have that little bit of flex, you know, like yeah, hard plastic's great because you can get that detail. But you know, on a for a board game intro, like you know, Warhammer hard plastic, ninety nine percent of your community and players are going to understand that these are delicate. This is a board game. There's yeah. still some people who understand don't understand that like some of these board games like they're. They, they don't have that same, I guess, respect that a a a forty k miniature gets. You know what I mean? I think they've done really, really well with this. Um, mm-hmm. There were people because their people may remember that when these were both announced, I initially wanted to own both of them, uh, and then I got two of the miniatures for this game, both of which were really impressive to me. Um, I got some of the like the limited edition stuff, um, mm-hmm. but it was insanely expensive for me to get a hold of them, and basically I just decided to make a decision one way or the other because I couldn't afford. So, yeah. I, I I now have the option of doing this. This is not happening for a few months at this point. They're saying it's Q two, so it's going to be at some point in the next three months. Um. But it also means that I'll have an option to buy this at retail as well, uh, which is probably more realistic for me. I am trying yeah. to cull collection at this point because I've I've been clearing out a lot of my board games and stuff. So I'm really excited for this. Um, you, you can make the same argument about whether it should be on on crowdfunding or not. Like we made the same argument about whether it should be or not for Simon, so it's only fair. Uh, we ended up coming down to the side of no, we kind of understand. George and I disagreed on this quite famously. Um, yeah, but I, so, it's the same so argument both ways. If the crowdfunding is only available for the countries that have not had a chance for it, so yep. if this was the UK or the Europe version, and all of Europe got a, got their chance for it, the crowd the the exclusive stuff should only be available for the non-european countries now agreed because because it is now in retail in and in, in europe so as long as they do it like that i'm i'm fine with it being back on a crowdfunding platform yeah that's 100 i want i want the same opportunity that the european backers had socks were you a motor yes. person growing up as a kid or is it too old for you you may you may have missed this in its heyday, maybe. Yeah, I wasn't too big into the He-Man series. 
and stuff like that. So Master of the Universe. Um, not, what was not so the equivalent much. for you when you were growing up? Where do you start? Power Rangers? No, that's that's no, no, still. Still new. I was kind of. Uh, I mean, I know about this stuff, but I was like GI Joe. Um, okay, so GI Joe Transformers Type A. Not- Transformers. Yeah, probably TMNT. Actually, now T- that yeah, I think about T- yeah, TMNT. Yeah. yeah. All right, socks. Yes, we have pretty things to talk about. We have lots of pretty things to talk about. So we've, so the first one we have this is from World War Cradle Games. They've announced uh, three new box sets coming out later this month. Uh, we've seen a couple of these uh, already. Uh, the Saltmate Aerial Squadrons we've seen from the Fortunes of Glory two-player starter set that has the Union and the Saltmate. So this is just more stuff that you can expand your aerial units for your Saltmate, so you can get uh, two Nassars, two Hercas, and two Alskar. Uh, and then some SRS tokens. So again, just some ways to flesh out your uh, various aerial units for the Sultanate, which I love. Um, this is a faction that I still want to get in the future. Mm-hmm. When that will be, I don't know yet. Which one are you looking at, George? The next one. Destiny? Yes. So this is the next. Uh, this is the new set we've never seen before. This is the Destiny uh, Sky Fortress for the Union. I have pretty much. I have opinions on this set. This is pretty much two uh, huge dirigibles with an aircraft carrier deck stuck in the middle of them. Yeah. And uh, some conning towers with some shield generators, it looks like. Uh, or some gen- some type of generator and some other weaponry. So I I'm would, looking... I would argue this is what a shield helicarrier would wor- look like if you did an alternate universe where, sh- where shield was around during the steampunk Victorian area. We already have one. It's called the Avalon. But but that's what this is what it would look like. That like you know Nick Fury would be on this. I'll 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 show you the actual Avalon because it's looks like that. But anyways, yeah, no, I agree. This one looks like Nick Fury could be on this one as well. Yeah. What's your thoughts, George or Bruce? The best looking flying ship they've ever made, and I mean hands down. It does look very very it nice, and I love. I love my uh, my large dirigibles that I have for the Imperium, but I do like the look of this one too. Oh, I love so, I love the Imperium ships. This is my point. That's so I how just much know I like something kind of odd here. Yeah. So I'm looking at the uh, Ticonderoga class. Yeah. And so your 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 typical dirigible, right? You got the big, you know, gas bag, right? And then you got the gondola underneath because gravity. <laughs> I was talking These... commenting on this last time. Yep. Yeah, these ones are on top. Yeah, this one's on top, which, you know, for the sake of gravity, that doesn't make a lot of sense because, but I get, I get, I don't, these have got like a, you know, a lot of iron scaffolding and stuff like that. Yeah, all the, all the fins are all going to be iron scaffolding. And so you're still going to have all that weight on the back end. It's going to be flying like this or like this. It's also powered powered by super impressive type things. So it doesn't need to worry about gravity because it's powered by super mystical things. That's fair. Um, but yeah, God, that that the that carrier just looks so good. But yeah, yeah uh, um, when we were looking at the previous versions of like this, because there's a different version of this ship that we've seen before, that was the thing that stood out to me. Is like that looks sort of really weird because it should be the other way around. 
but yeah, it, it's sci-fi. It doesn't matter. Yep. Oh, yep. There's a painted version in this. Who there is? Yeah, yeah. Keep on going. Oh, the 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 Republic class Cloud Raker. Yeah. Yeah. I quite like it, yep. honestly. So yeah. that's a smaller smaller airship that has the aircraft carrier deck down the middle of it. So, yeah, it is pretty nice too. The big guppy. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then George, last in the, not... Sorry. Yep. In our face in our Facebook chats, George, there's the Avalon. That's the one that looks like a helicarrier. So, but yeah, the last thing we have is the merchant convoys, that, which also was found okay, in the fair. Fair. Yeah. That's that's a helicarrier. That's fair. Yep. So we have the Merchant Convoy Squadrons, which are coming out in their own box set. Um, these were also found in the Fortune and Glory sets. And so I'm looking forward to this because you can actually do scenarios with these ships that uh, can be used. And so I'm looking forward to it. You got the Titan Passenger Convoy, two merchant ships and two escorts, and then some small ship tokens and cargo tokens and some ground assault. And I know what Bruce is wanting to say because... He's seen a video, and there's pictures out there of, of these. I haven't seen them myself, yeah. but what is it, Bruce? Uh, well, first and foremost, the reason I wanted to discuss these last is because these Olympic-class vessels are far more impressive than they have any right to be. Like, a merchant ship should be boring as all get-up, but there's nothing boring about this. Um... It's a Titanic-class ship. There were three of them in history. One, Only one of them ever gets talked about because it was the biggest disaster in naval history. Um, but it's something that stands out and makes a lot of sense to discuss in the world where this takes place. It's right in that age of technology, right? Of course. Yep. And if you had that sort of advanced technology, then the Titanic probably wouldn't have happened. Um, though, I wouldn't necessarily say that um on tabletop have done a series of videos where john is converting three of these large ships to be the titanic sisters so he's done the titanic he's just finished doing the olympia uh and the next video they will be releasing is what's the last satania the satania um it's a really, really good series of videos. Well worth your time. Um, is, there, is there multiple options where it's either uh, flying or in the ocean? Yes. It appears so it, to be, yes. Yes, yes you can. Uh, and, and it's modular so you can have it kind of in a shorter... So you can see there you got your engine stack mod uh, piece. You can actually have other modules to make the ship either longer or smaller if you want, or shorter if you want oh, to as well. So okay. You can have it on the ocean floor itself or skimming across the ocean as well depending on what you want to do so that's pretty cool yes it's been this set's been designed really really nicely i i want to get it after the the brief discovery i had of dystopian wars back on the hot lz days and then all of a sudden spartan games going under i really like what has happened with the uh the game so far under waylands me too Uh, yeah purview when they first bought it and said that they were going to kind of work it together uh, with Wild West Exodus into a universe, there was a lot of people that were like, I don't like this. Like, it's already its own world. But they have done this in a world, like, they've done this in a way where it just makes a lot of sense. 
Mm -hmm. Like they were two different worlds, but they were close enough where it made sense that they could come in the same. You didn't have to change much. The only thing they had to change is what caused the steampunk in Dystopian Wars so that it was what it was caused by in Wild West Exodus. And it wasn't that big of a change world-wise. Yeah. So the the one thing I would like to see, because that was the one thing that caught my my eye initially, was there's there are three aspects to the game. There's the air part, there's the sea part, there's the land part. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their plans are, but I'd really like to see the uh, the land part come about with, you know... Well, we're on the so verge of getting it. We're on the verge. Well, yeah, one of so. the people on this play- podcast has been playtesting it. Oh. And I'm enjoying it. And... There are some aspects of the game that I'm I'm a little confused about and and stuff like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it up as as a comment back to the play, to the the creators. But so far, I'm really enjoying this game, and I'm looking forward to it coming out. We already know they've already announced which two factions will be part of the the starter set. I can't say that, of course. No. Uh, but but they've already announced which two factions, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, seeing this as they roll out the other factions in the future. So I think, I think they've done really well with what they're doing. Yeah. I-, I like the fact, because the problem with the dystopian was originally is it was all supposed to work together and it just didn't, it didn't work together. The community basically ignored that part of the rules because it didn't work. And so war cradle have just went, well, they're different games uh, rather than and- trying to fix that problem. It becomes a non-issue. It's just a different game. And honestly, it makes more mm-hmm. sense that way anyway. And I'm so, looking forward to this sure. too because it's just like we have in Drop Zone and Drop Fleet. You can do a combined campaign with Dystopian Wars and the new Armor Clash system when it comes out as well because you got right. ground... To- this this set comes with a ground token that you could use as kind of a reinforcement into an Armor Clash game oh, kind so, of like you can do in Drop Fleet so and Drop go- Zone. They're going to be on different scale then? They are. Fifteen okay, mil, I think, as I've said. Yeah, because if yeah. I remember correctly, the original Dystopia uh, Wars for Spartan, everything was the same scale. Yes. Yeah. So, so. The, the we've looked actually looked at the building, uh, the modular building set that they have, um, yeah. that they just released uh, within the last month or so, and that is set at fifteen mil scale to go along with Armored Clash. So, and again. That set or not 15, much... 10, 10 mil. Was it 10? 10 millimeters. Sorry, 10. It's That's 10. my fault then. No, uh, it's okay. 10 and ten and 15 is not much different. I mean, there is well, a little true. bit, but yeah, that and that. So, um, But again, those buildings looked far better than they had any right to. So, yeah. Uh, we are not going to discuss an indie this week, but let's discuss some hobby. Dream, blue, crying, paint. What have you been up to, George? Spending money. <laughs> On? Hopefully game uh, stuff. I, I've got some uh, some uh, three components showing up for Hobby Zone to get this uh, setup uh, vamped more to what I want for when I build my new uh, bench. Um, I got in... The artist artist opus, right? Uh, knockoff set. Okay. Yeah. Found uh, this set. Ooh, was uh, fifteen bucks. Nice. Not bad. So that's a 
13 uh, dry brush, and it's it feels stiff but supple. So, um, and I got some primers in today, and then uh, I got it's on the way. Um, I ordered from our sponsor the complete speed paint set from uh, Army Painter. Nice, Ooh. nice. So, uh, I, I highly recommend gonna... that set. I honestly do. It's yeah. it's really good. I have actually bought it myself. Um, in the end, because my original thought was that, because I had said in the original boxing that I would follow it up with the new one when it came, but by the time I ended up buying it, I just kind of felt like there was no point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm still, so, I would still be happy to do that. It's still sitting there. I, yeah. I could like recreate the unboxing, but so, but yeah, um, the set was 15 bucks. Uh, if you're interested in it, folks, uh, let me know and I'll uh, I'll send you a link to it or I'll make sure Bruce has it to put in notes. Um, but it, appearance-wise, it looks like the Artist Opus. But I think that set, they charge, what, 70 bucks for or something like that? They're charging they, like they 15 They charge 16... an offensive amount of money, yeah. Uh, per brush, like 15 to 16 per brush. So uh, I'm Sorry, looking forward I, to I shouldn't say negative that. things about Artist Opus. Their fans will come and hunt me down. Well, it, it, they do make a good quality, I just don't, quality product. I mean, there's. I just don't you know, get why you'd spend that sort of money on a dry brush. I just don't. I, for a dry brush, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, let's be honest. Dry brushing, you know, it's a technique where you are intentionally being abusive to a brush. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how those work out. I, I've, I've got an idea up here of, of stuff I'm going to start doing. So, um, but that, you know, I, I need the furniture to store all the paint and I need the paint to do the idea. So another uh, cheaper alternative. So, yeah, I, I've got I had that in my cart for a while, too. I want to say that was 22 or 25. Yeah, there's an unboxing of that on the channel. They are actually really good. But, you know, for to spend, you know, five bucks less and get hold oh, yours yeah. up again, Bruce. Yours is much better value. Three. Yeah, you three. Get, you, I get well, three. No, no, you've got five. So it looks like you've got this size here, which is my second largest, and then my medium one, and then this one. So I've got like a super small and a super huge one in addition. Yeah. Yours is much better value. Two. So well, we'll see how they are quality wise and using them. So true. Which, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was printing off texture palettes. Uh, just for so, the record, I know that you should know this, but don't use your speed paints with them. It won't no. end very well. No. And then, oh, because the first one was so, so successful, I started, uh, I got some more filament, and I'm doing a uh, double wide. Nice. nice. For, the, uh, for the trees. I am currently printing the second one of these right here. So Nice. Um, that being said, for the amount of filament it takes to use and the quality, that, uh, that Worganizer case is freaking amazing for the price. I know, uh, I know JP, he backed the, uh, the Omni case. I'm afraid to see how much filament that uses compared to everything else that they've done. I've not backed that personally. Uh, we probably uh, it's too late now. I was going to say we probably should have discussed that in the news. I forgot about that. Oh, their their shelf gaming system. Yeah, I I wouldn't bother with it. It's 
I just I looked at that, and, and don't get me like that. They are a good company that's making nice things, but I looked at mm-hmm. that and it's like I don't understand why you would three D print that because it's a more expensive option as opposed yeah, to a cheaper one. Like, there's no way well, that's feasible. It's any bookshelf is going to be better. And the, the 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 video that JP linked that I watched, JP said that was six reels of filament. If you figure, you know, 20 bucks a reel, that's going to get expensive really quick for, and I want to say uh, uh, a Calyx system from uh, Ikea, like a two by four. That's a couple hundred bucks. That's way cheaper. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be, it's perfect for people that want their space to be specifically their space mm-hmm. and not look the same as everybody else's. The issue with Ikea furniture is that it looks the same as everybody else's IKEA furniture. And for some people, that's fine. But for some people, they want their house to be their home. Now, granted, you can customize IKEA furniture Mm -hmm. all you like. But if you've got 3D printed alternatives, there's just not going to be a comparison there. That's where the market is. But when I'm looking at a $250 shelf that I think looks amazing, would go with the aesthetic that I'm looking for, and I put it together and it's done, ready to go, and then I need to do that four more times versus printing all of that. And so that's the thing. We're we're only talking about printing filament. That's not even taking into the fact that time is also money. Well, and then the additional hardware that you have to buy, too, to assemble the stuff because it takes nuts and bolts, so... Um, in saying that, yeah, I also uh, realized that not everybody has access to an IKEA. Hi, George. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine's about three hours away, so it's not completely inaccessible, but uh, inconvenient. Yeah. yeah, it's it's highly inconvenient. I think that's a great way to put it. Socks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I should have stuff uh, showing up here uh, early mid this week, so I'm going to start working on some stuff. Nice. Nice. Uh, what Sox? have you been up to, Socks? Uh, flag football for my boys is finally over, and so that has been taking up a lot of my time this last month, month and a half, going off to practices and football games. Uh, but I'm also now in the middle of a three-week exercise at work. Yay! So, yeah, so which is taking up the other half of my time. So nothing yet, but the exercise will be ending this week, and uh, I hope to be starting to paint get some paint on the, some of my uh, Black Seas naval ships here shortly. So Nice. That's so, what I hope to be doing. I have been working largely on this little gentleman. This handsome young lad here. I'm just trying to... So I have sent you guys a picture of this last week or so. It was that budgie pirate that we looked oh, at. Oh, yeah. We looked at this originally in the news last year at one point as a 3D printable option. I bought it because I want to use it with my Burrows and Badgers stuff. I'm really, really happy with how this turns out. I might actually edit the photos of this into the episode so that people can see, because I I realise that it doesn't show up on camera very well when I've got my lighting the way that it is. The other thing that I've been doing is I've been building more bikes for Entropy City. So... I'm going to have to move this a little bit. I'm going to try. So it's got... I've interchanged the original body with a new one and a new head, basically. 
This is the Atalan Jackal. Same as what I used originally for the Mutiny. But he has a body that's more of a hoodie type thing. It's meant to be like a militia type jacket. And he's got like a hood with some headphones on. Just trying to make it look more like something in modern day as opposed to a roughly... Like it's just the, the, the original ones are kind of... It's just the Atalan Jackals but with a different head on to make them look human. Um, I'm really, really happy with how this has turned out. I actually, I needed one that had a gun anyway, because none of my original ones had any guns with them, so I needed to expand the mutiny anyway. I'm trying to get ready for testing. Um, I'm considering maybe trying to do a conversion video at some point in the future as an Entropy City type video. Um, let me know if people want to see that or not. I don't know, it's something I'm kind of in two minds about at this stage. Because um, Enterprise City is obviously still a work in progress and it's not a real product, but maybe the investment would be worth it for people that kind of want to try it out and want to do something a little custom. Um, sure. That body... Ah, I just dropped it. Um, I purchased from Anvil Industries, I think. Um or Anvil Studios, whichever one is the one that sells the resin alternative parts. But yeah, that, that's me. Uh, otherwise, I've been going through the garage. Like I said, I've been doing a culling of... I had an issue for a little while where I kind of like, I bought things and never got around to actually playing with them um, for quite a while. And I'm trying to go through all of that so that I can actually use my garage again. I think 75% of the community has that problem, Bruce. <laughs> that is... That is fair. Um, otherwise, I mean, I've been working on the rule set still. Uh, I've been working on a little bit of, um, like, just editing a few things and getting a few things ready. I'm kind of getting ready for my next wave of playtesting. Um, I was supposed to have a game of The Doomed on Friday, but my person cancelled on me at the last minute because he forgot to tell me that he wasn't coming. Um, so... I, I kind of hung out and then I eventually went home. So, talk nerdy to me. This is a topic that was suggested by one of you for a change. Socks was like, hey, let's talk about supporting your local gaming store. So, I think there's a nice, like, to some extent, I think all of us get this, right? Like, you've got a local gaming store, it's where you want to go to to play games, so you should support that gaming store. Because otherwise, the store won't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a couple of balances there that I've certainly started forcing myself to do after a few decisions that I ended up being unhappy about. Um, like, don't let yourself be ripped off in the name of supporting people because that's yeah. not the same thing. Um, and I'm not saying that stores in your areas do that, but there are people out there that will take advantage of your willingness to be loyal. So don't let them do that. If, if your local store is selling something for far more than you know it's supposed to be being sold for, don't let them rip you off. Um, this is probably a bigger problem in the US than it is elsewhere, I would argue, because the whole, if there's short supply, real or otherwise, they will just... Quite fr- it happens in Magic quite frequently where there's a set that's mm-hmm. short-changed 
So they will just throw 50 bucks on top of it because people will pay it anyway. Um, and basically what I'm saying is don't let stores do that. Speak it with your wallet. Um, yep. And there's another side of it too. Like you may only have a limited amount of gaming spaces in your area and maybe you have challenges that you want to face because maybe you don't get along with everybody at that store or maybe you don't necessarily like how it's managed or maybe it's in a really awkward place for you to get to. Um, like the place where I go for gaming takes me like a minimum of 45 minutes to get there. It's a bit of a pain if I'm honest. I actually really like the store. I don't like yeah. going there because it's a pain. Um, but I go there because that's where my gaming friends choose to go. All right. Yeah. Um, hence why I like quite recently, I actually checked out a, a closer store, uh, that I was very impressed by. And I was talking about this before we were recording. Um, I may have mentioned yeah. who it is a bit later. Um, I know Socks had something he wanted to kind of bring up, which was the original topic, and I changed the subject of the topic because I'm like, you did. I th yeah. think we should so, talk about the broader topic and have that as part of the conversation. Yeah. So I've I've being in the military, moving around to various locations in the U.S. I didn't have any game stores in the UK because of where I was at. There was I would have to go into Norwich or up north to really get to a, a store. So I didn't really have a game store while I was in England. But anyways, the stores that I had in, in Kansas and the store that I had in Illinois were great. They had a lot of product to be sold. They had a lot of gaming space in the area. Uh, and so I, I love going to those stores. And great owners, um, they, they would work out with me if I wanted to get stuff. They'd try and order it for me or or, or whatnot. But going along with that, having owners that don't want to try and stock stuff for you or a group of guys that are starting a new game can be difficult to grow the community at the same time. Um, Especially if you're actively wanting to support the store at the same time. Exactly. Um, well, and so I'm going to throw that little devil's advocate too, you know. Oh, so George is already doing I, I already have devil's advocate coming. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I, I, no I, I've got a different um, um, viewpoint on this too. So, you know, th those areas where you were at, you know, you're talking a couple hundred thousand people within like, you know, so many hundred miles, right? Yeah. Uh, my store got a, got a uh, supporting uh, community of less than 30,000 people. Oh, that's so, that's yeah, actually a really right. good point, yeah. Because you live in a fictional in, world that doesn't exist. Yeah, bringing in the latest, greatest, you know, thing may be great for two, three months, and then when it's just like, oh, this is crap, or they're not doing additional support, or and then the store's stuck with, you know, how many Product hundreds of dollars shelf. of merchandise on the shelf that they can't move anymore. Yeah, no, so, I absolutely agree. In small, small areas like that, it's hard for game owners to want to put out that front money yeah. to mm -hmm. hopefully stock something. But when you have an owner or, or a group of, of players that has grown exponentially and is still growing in the area and an owner that doesn't want to support it in any way, yeah, it it's makes hard it to grow the community at the same time. So my devil's advocate on this, and, and Sox has already heard me say this because we kind of discussed this before we recorded. 
Um, the My Devil's Advocate on this was from a what what we don't see as customers is from a business perspective, everything that you choose to buy for your store is a risk. That's mm-hmm. why everybody covers Magic the Gathering, everybody covers Dungeons and Dragons, everybody covers Games Workshop. They will probably have your Marvel stuff and your Star Wars stuff because they are proven sellers. Um, but when it comes to the indie stuff, they are harder to find in stores. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not proven to sell, that could be something that I take a risk on and it may backfire. I already know that people play Warhammer. I already know that people play Marvel Crisis Protocol. I don't need to make any... I don't need to do any work for that. It will sell by itself. Now, this isn't true, but it is how a lot of people think. Um, Mm -hmm. As opposed to... I mean, Bandai games, card games are a little bit more popular. Uh, but even then, like, you don't see them in every store. Uh, that's who does the Dragon Ball game, the One Piece game. Um, they've got a game called uh, Battlestar Saga. They've got another one called Vanguard. Um, they are probably your number two, or had been your number two for a long time card game-wise. Disney Lorcana's probably going to take that spot i suspect mm-hmm. um though how much lasting power is in disney we will have to see uh it's certainly wide up there yeah. at the moment um and like in the role play space you don't see fragged and like your smaller stuff out there as much like modifius games are not easy to find in store you generally have to order them from modifius um because everybody knows Dungeons and Dragons. And if they don't know, well, and if and if it's not that, it's Call of Cthulhu or the other ones that are just everywhere. Yeah. So the yeah. store that I, the store that I played at in Kansas while I was there, they had drop zone and drop fleet. They had a five foot wall section, floor to ceiling with just blisters, the yep. single little blisters of like the walkers and the, the troops. Mm-hmm. But then they also had a whole shelf full of all the actual like starter packs and the larger stuff for drop fleet when that came out as well. So there are those stores out there that are supporting those indies. Valhalla oh, yeah. hobby is one of them. Yes. We talked about them. They're our sponsor. It's one they're of the main all, talking so points I use every episode. Absolutely. And so it's, it's nice when, and that, that community was very small when I, I, I was about the only player other than Levi from the hot LZ days that played drop zone or drop fleet. Yep. And yet he had a huge, the store had a huge section that we could just pull stuff from if we needed to. Yep. So it's, it's nice when those, those owners out there still support the Indies, even though the community is, is small. Well, it, and I'm going to say there too, with that, like, you know, and not, not say anything about how it is now because they saw and figured it out. In my opinion, distribution for, for the drop universe was way better back then. It was easier True. for, stores to get the product on their shelf you know now that that's the one fault i'll have for tt combat is well there is a reason why they say they're still working on it so yeah it's but it's it's the reason you know the drop universe it's it's still great but it's just so hard to get a hold of right now and i and i think that has something to do with it and 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 and, and i think you're gonna run to uh regional things too because one of the things we talked about on the hot lz because you know there was one game is very focused. Sometimes we need to uh, 
meander or ramble onto different topics like we do all the time here, but one of the games Levi talked about was Guild Bowl. I had never yeah. heard of that, but apparently it was a huge thing there. Yeah. You know, so certain areas you're you're going to have, you know, different Your types niches. of games. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're going to have, let's see, what do I got here on my shelf? I got a whole crap load of stuff. Um, oh, here, here we go. Super Fantasy Brawl. I guarantee you, there's probably, you know, a five-store string somewhere on the East Coast where Super Fantasy Brawl has got games of it every weekend with half a dozen people in each store playing it. I mean, the, the because Facebook, that's the what Facebook group still has people, well, did still have people that were talking yeah. about their games quite frequently. I can't say about mm-hmm. now because I, le- I left that group when I sold my copy of it, but yeah but i mean it's you know you're you're gonna have different games based on different regions and different groups of people and 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 part of the reason you know and it was part of that uh conversation at the beginning when i was still trying to get everything set up of you know a game store doesn't want to support the community well that community is going to go find a store that will support it and that store is going to succeed and that other store is going to be like there's like a dozen people that aren't showing up anymore. Why? Well, you're not supporting them. Yeah. And, and it does need to be a two-way street, too. Like, mm-hmm. people will talk quite frequently about how you should support your friendly local, friendly local gaming store. And you should. We're not arguing against that. Uh, but the, it is a two-way street. Now, how they support you will change. Sometimes mm-hmm. you will have a store where you're lucky enough that they will have a better price than somewhere else. Um, sometimes you will have an area where they will support you by having like a larger playing area where you, they can host multiple games or tournaments or, or whatever. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they have a bar and they have food to make it a more inviting area. Um, maybe they quite frequently like get in people to um, like host like how-to sessions and that sort of stuff. Or maybe they're knowledgeable enough that they can host those sort of classes. And really stuff. quick, I hope to God I'd never find a gaming store that has a built-in bar because I will become a destitute alcoholic playing <laughs> games all day. <laughs> I, I have two of them within driving distance. Although I don't know if one of them has renewed their license. Because I haven't been in there for a long time. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I I love a good drink and I love a good game. And if I could go somewhere and sit down with friends and get bar food with a bar and then play a game, it's a risky business proposition. <laughs> the, the two I know of have bar, but not necessarily hot food. Um, one of them was talking about it and never got around to it. Uh, the other one, I don't know if it's even on the cards. Probably not. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know what it's like in Australia. I would imagine it's fairly similar, but, like, having an establishment where you can serve alcohol is one thing because, let's be honest, alcohol kind of cleans itself, you know? Yeah. But then having, like, food prep, like, there's a reason why, and, and this will this will date everyone probably. Back in the day, Dairy Queen, who, know, who here knows about Dairy Queen and food, right? Well, I don't know about food, Back but I know the- about Dairy Queen. Back in the day, Dairy Queen, when they had ice cream and all that stuff, and that's what Dairy Queen had, they did hot dogs because hot dogs were food safe when put in boiling water. Hamburger has to be at a specific temperature above boiling water. So Dairy Queens always had hot dogs, but never burgers because 
hot dogs were easier for food safe conditions. Yep. The more you know. Yeah, that that's that's so yeah. so, so that's one of those things. Yeah, but you hear you talk about that. If I could go sit down with like Cthulhu Death May Die, five friends, and order like pints and get like bar food, all God, I would be fat and broke. Yeah. Um. Sorry. No, I'd no, be no. Fatter. Hundred and... <laughs> percent. Um. So I, the, the the argument here is, like, yeah, like to some extent, there will be businesses that are hesitant because it's a risk that they have to take and. Maybe they don't have enough financial freeway to make that risk. Um, and if that is the case, I completely understand. Um, I do at, too. At the same time, if you have a group of 15 to 20 people that are playing at your store in a game that you don't stock, it would make sense to take that risk because you literally have your group right there. They may also be looking at, and I know I've said this to you already, but I'm going to say it out loud. Um, they may also be looking as if, yeah, but I see this group and they're active and they're supporting me, but they've already bought everything that they need. So if I get it in, is it just going to sit here? Because they don't need mm-hmm. it anymore. Yeah. Um, Except for so you, you will have like a minimum order that you would have to order, most likely. Um, so do they buy all of the stuff that, that you that you're playing with? Or do they only start buying the new stuff? Because you won't have that. Um, but then can they order enough of that, that to make up that minimum order? Um, it's not just as simple as, well, people play this game, so we should we should get it in. Um, it is more complicated than that. But I'm also not saying that you're wrong. I'm just acknowledging that there is more than one side of this argument. I, I, I think the simplest thing to say, if, if the store is supporting enough of the community that they want to support if they're doing that and they do it well enough they're going to stay in business if they don't do it at all they're not going to be in business because especially your location and your both y'all i i i mean i'm in a you know it's a, a different situation yeah now. you're in a different but world, if, yeah. if your stores that you go to don't support you you're going to go to a different store and i did and and if I, those I have stores before continue to not do that and they lose enough customer base they're not going to be a store for not supporting their groups the stores who are going to support the groups are going to see more prosperity because the stores that aren't supporting them are going to get that client base into their store and they're going to continue to support them and be prosperous that that's what it's ultimately going to boil down to um you know i i've i've seen in the past where oh, we don't want to do that because we're not interested in that. We're just going to focus on this. If they focus on that and support that part of the community, they're going to stay in business and be, you know, profitable. Yep. But if they if they ignore enough of a chunk of a community to where it affects their bottom line, they're going to notice it and either go out of business or they need to make a ch- change. But if they're, are they going to make that change soon enough? Yeah. Um. There's also another argument, like, because from from a store, let, let's just look at it from a store perspective for a second. Mm-hmm. So okay. you have a group of somewhere between 12 and 20, right? Because it'll go up and down depending on who's there every week. Sure. Um, at this stage, what is your group buying? Snacks and drinks? That's probably it. 
Do, do they have table hire? That doesn't tend to happen in America much, right? Because uh, there are stores here, like the larger stores will do like an actual table hire, table hire thing. Oh, it's, uh, you have like, to pay like, for two like hours of table time. And stuff does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which, to I, be fair, I'm not going to argue against. I actually think it's a really good business practice because it means that the people there are the ones that want to be there. Uh, also, it yeah, means that sure. it doesn't matter what I bring, I'm still supporting the store because I've paid for my table hire. Yeah. Um, but that's not so much a thing here in the U.S. Um, yep. but I will say this though: if if I went into like, hey, I, I'm I'm gonna play uh, Warhammer with my buddies for three hours. Okay, well you gotta rent the table out. Okay, well how much is that? Well, it's five bucks an hour. Here's a twenty. Yep. You know, like I I get that. Like space is a premium. That's what stores have is they have yep. space. If they need a charge for their space, they've also got rent. And if it's a larger store with a lot of tables. That's mm-hmm. a very expensive rent charge. Yep. Yeah, because it's not filled with products that they can sell. Exactly. A thousand percent right there. Yeah. A thousand percent. So from a business perspective, I mean, from the snacks and drinks point of view, that's where they make most of their money. It's um, no different to that movie theater, yeah. Because, you know, why do movie theaters charge what they do? Well, that's how they have to make their money. Most of them will the have like a three t- or four hundred percent profit on on it and that yeah, would be minimum they're not getting on tickets um but i like if i go to a store here and i buy a chocolate bar it's about what two fifty three dollars depending on the store that i go to sure. and they will have paid maybe 50 cents for it like that's yep. a huge markup but it's an yep. expected markup and the reason that we pay it is because because we're wanting to support the store, right? So they are still making money from you. It's not like you're mm-hmm. going there and just taking advantage of the store. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that's not the accusation that's being made either. Um, but at this point, there is a lot more they could do to leverage the fact that you're there. Um, yeah, if they for don't sure. want to do a, if they don't want to stock it because they think that it's a risk, the option of making a special order doesn't seem overly difficult unless and i know we've said this already uh but off camera it may be that the people that they have their supplies from don't support this game uh and therefore they would need to create a new account that they may not because that may have other costs that they don't they may not be able to afford to so they may be in a position where they would love to support you but are not able to at this time yeah um and if that's the case, it's rocking a hard place. Yeah, um, for because sure. What do they need to do? do they, if they want to support you and get you buying stuff from them, does that mean they have to give up something that they're stocking now? I mean, they can't afford to give up Games Workshop. It's where all their money is. They can't afford to give up Magic because that's where even more of the money is. Um, because I think you said that they have more card stuff than they do tabletop gaming stuff from memory unless i misheard that uh no it's more ga- tabletop okay most of it's most of it's warhammer saying that cards don't a, take up much room either so that well that depends if you have singles inventory they do take up space and yeah. th- that's kind of the opposite of like you know like the you know my local shop they've you know it, it's new ownership new management and it's what they want to do but they have you know swung more into the focus of you know the ccg the pokemon the magic the gathering the whatever the disney thing is that apparently is the new hot thing that i have not even looked at because 
I don't want to do cardboard crack anymore. That it's too, it's too coming from someone who pays, you know, a hundred dollars for a board game or, you know, 50 bucks for a, you know, a squad of space Marines. Cardboard crack is too expensive. The problem with card game, the problem with collectible card games is that they are designed to be Mm -hmm. a trap. Well, Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now, granted, you can buy a starter deck and you could just play with that, just like you can buy a starter faction for the Stapian Wars and that's all that you would need to play, but they are designed deliberately in a way where, yes, but you can't win unless you buy everything else as well. That's not necessarily the, the case you, with miniatures. Or the stuff that you bought, about. you know, in six months. Oh, that's been cycled out. That's not yep. legal for play anymore. You have to buy this new stuff again. Yeah. So. So, there we go. That's the discussion. Um, are there challenges with supporting your local game store that you know of that we haven't discussed? I mean, I've I've certainly not discussed uh, an obvious one which may be like you may have a store that you want to support but maybe you're not a really big fan of the way that it's run or the owners or something that's a completely different discussion uh if you that's probably more of if you're living in an area where you don't have any options um there is certainly a lot of ways that you could take this uh maybe what we should do at some point is have a discussion about how you can support your local gaming store um, in other ways. Like we mentioned an obvious one, buying snacks and drinks there. You will pay more mm-hmm. for them, but that's kind of the point is because that way you're helping support them. Um, yep. And like, other ways that you can do that. I don't know. Thanks, Socks, because I think that was a good topic. Tournaments, demos, conventions, you know, that kind of stuff. March Malifaux. Victoria has a Malifaux event happening. And I think this is the first major Malifaux event we've happened had in quite some time. Uh, the gaming arena reached out to the Malifaux community recently and was like, hey, we want to start trying to support the community and giving you a reason to come here. Um, so they are hosting a tournament, a 10-person tournament, on the 30th of March. Uh, the gaming arena is in Baker's Road on Caulfield, Coburg North. Uh, this is the store that I actually went to yesterday to check out. Um, and I was very, very impressed. Um, that address looks so fake. I know, right? Uh, one, two, three, Baker's Road. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real place, I promise. I went there. Um, so that it's a 10-person so tournament. At the time of recording, there's only four tickets left. Um, I really want to go, but I can't really afford to at the moment because it's been a tight fortnight. Um, so I may end up missing out. Uh, but they How are, much is it? 35 bucks. It's not that expensive. Um, but I've just I've spent my throwaway money already on spray paint for my terrain. Um, it's also the same place where the Melbourne Figures Painter Collective meet on the last Sunday of every month. Uh, in fact, that would be the day after this, uh, 12 till 5 p.m. Uh, it's the last Sunday of every... Oh, I already said that. Adepticon is coming up, 22nd to the 26th of March. Um, Archers are very... It's almost like we're in the middle of it. Um, I mentioned last time that we know some of the events that will be happening there. The Bushido's Masters is happening again, uh, and it is being run by the gaming guys again, friend of the channel. 
Um, check them out on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, there is a drop fleet and a drop zone tournament happening, which is huge because I don't think there's been one the last few years. I could be wrong. Oh, no, sorry. There was last year. Sorry. I, I stand corrected on that. There's also a Wild West Exodus tournament happening. Not Dystopian Wars, though, which is disappointing. Um, ArcFest is coming up in April, April 27th and 28th. Uh, so there's a lot of different things happening. This is the first time Arc have ventured outside of 40k. So you do have other games workshop, things like Age of Sigmar and so forth. But you also have Infinity and Marvel Crisis Protocol happening there as well. Um, I'm definitely encouraging people to get along and support this because we need to have a convention that is purely focused on tabletop and not just about one game or another. We need to have that community coming together more frequently. Um, so definitely get along to that. I did reach out. I, I did actually speak to one of the organisers, Ben. I was like um, talking about how I wouldn't mind coming along as like uh, like just a visitor, just like have a look around. Uh, and there's not really much in the way of a ticket to support that because it's not that sort of event. But he did suggest that um, they are always looking for volunteers and that would be a, a good way of doing it. And plus it means that you're actually helping support the event as well. So... Uh, the Nunawanning Wargamers Society, uh, sorry, Association uh, have a Saga tournament coming up in May. It's at the Blackburn RSL on the 19th, 9 till 5pm. And finally, this is completely sold out, but I'm going to continue mentioning it because Thirdapalooza is a Warhammer 40k 3rd edition tournament that's happening in North Shore, Victoria. Why am I talking about an event that's full up? There is a waiting list that you can join just in case people drop out. But also, there is a, not a small amount of people that's been asking for events like this to happen for a while. People want to have events for things like old versions of fantasy, old versions of 40k. Um, uh, what's the skirmish game that was based in fantasy that I'm forgetting? It started with M. I mean, Blob Bowl used to be one that was happening all the time. Obviously, that is now a supported game as well. Um, but yeah, so if, if, you want, if you're the sort of person that wants to get into retro gaming, this is a group that you should be keeping an eye on because this is where you will find it. Given how popular this has been, there should be more of it coming. We just lost George. We've just lost George. We're not sure why. I did notice he wasn't moving, so maybe his net dropped out. That, that's my guess. Talk to people about Valhalla Hobby Sucks. Valhalla Hobby, who is one of our sponsors, also loves the indies. So they have their Warhammer, they have their uh, Star Wars Legion, but they also have Dystopian Wars. They have... We're losing more of George. Uh, yeah, he's been disconnected, obviously. Yeah, th yep. they have a lot of your indies. So that they have... Everything in more that we talk about, like Bushido, TT Combat, uh, they have Black Sight Studios, they have War Cradle, like all, all of it. And if they don't have it, they can get it and will get it. So the, the reason that we connected initially is because they found that we were also very passionate about the indie side of the business. Uh, if you're in Verona, Wisconsin, hell, if you're in the US at all, like, honestly, their prices are fantastic anyway. So Yes. Plus, on your first order, if it's $100 or more, you'll get 5% off if you use the code TABLED. Indeed. What's the website? 
Websites. We have lots of them. No, so, their, their website. Oh, their website? ValhallaHobby.com. Thank you. Um, you can find us at patreon.com slash getting tabled. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us. Uh, thank you to those that already do support us. It is greatly appreciated. We have a small community of people that are very supportive uh, and always very encouraging. Um, even if they don't necessarily agree with things that we have to say, they, they are a community that tends to appreciate the fact that we're honest about our opinions. It's, it's really, really wonderful. Um, our website is gettingtabled.com. If there's ever something in the most recent episode that we've discussed that you want to know more about, you will find a link to it on the website. Social media-wise, facebook.com slash gettingtabled is the most active. We do also have an Instagram at gettingtabled and a Twitter at gettingtabled. Uh, Instagram is being used a little bit more than Twitter. Um, I will not touch Twitter personally, but I know that George does. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us for any reason, whether it's to ask us a question or whether it's that you're someone that would like to have something shown off, gettingtabled at gmail.com. Uh, we always monitor that. We're keeping an eye on it daily. Um, you can find our Discord in the show notes and it would be appearing on the screen below you right now. Or below me right now, I should say. Uh, you can find me on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Jason the Bruce. I'm only streaming casually. I might have something coming up this week. Um, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm tossing a, a couple of things at the moment. Um, also, Toy Reel. Uh, YouTube.com slash Toy Reel is something else that I ventured out into. Uh, I joined Clinton with that at some point last year. That's more looking at action figures and collectibles as opposed to miniatures and stuff. And yes, that's it. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Socks. Indeed. I would, I would thank George, but he's kind of only half here at the moment. Um, we will see you all next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mattias at soundimage.org.